Eros, Thileo, Agapao. These are not dishes that you will find at the local pho restaurant. You can't answer. Seminarians, seminarians cannot answer. Anybody have any idea what they are? Different words for love in Greek. Okay, so eros. Anybody have any idea? Eros. Yes, sir. Right? Erotic physical love. That's that. That's that ooey gooey. That feeling in your stomach that you know, like you see that you see that person, and like your heart just won't quite get its rhythm back in the right way, or you know, or whatever it is that that tingly feeling that you get. That's that. That's eros. That's that. That just that real physical sensation of. Uh, of love that's described by that word. What about phileo? City in this country named after it. It's called the city of brotherly love. Phileo is brotherly love. It's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it can be, you know, just sort of that. It's not, so it's not eros, it's not physical, but it is that care that you might have for a brother, um, well, if you have a brother, you might, love, might, might want to love them more than phileo. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, and then agapao, what is that? Come on, biblical scholars. You already answered one. Hang on. Come on, biblical scholars. Agapao is... What is it? Well, no. You go to Catholic school, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you were told by him? Okay, okay. Seminarian, okay. Back corner, back corner. Unconditional love, yes. Yes. And, and I will say, I will say, because he's making a clarification over here, I'm sure, um, that we, you know, we believe that the love that God has for us is an, is an agape kind of love. That's what we call that, agape love. Um, an unconditional kind of love. And so, and so we have, so we have these, in, in the Greek, we have these three words for love, and they have lots of nuances to them. Um, but I want to talk a little bit of, today about that. I, th- I think there are four, and I've been taught that there are four levels of love. And, and the first one, um, the first one is what, what I might call sort of that baby love. We've got a baby over here, very nicely. I'm glad you guys came all the way from Texas to bring a baby so that I can have a baby as an example here. We have, we have a baby kind of love, which is, it's a taking love. I mean, we think that babies are giving us love back with their coos and their oos and their ahs. No, 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 no. They're just really happy that they just got changed. Right? I mean, we're interpreting that. We're interpreting that in a certain way, but that's, but it's really, it's really, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to interpret it that way, but I'm just saying that for the most part, a baby's taking. A baby is, is, is taking, and in an appropriate way. They're not able to take care of themselves. Unfortunately, what happens is that, um, as you may have all um, run into in your, in your lives, there are people who are still babies. In, in relationship, all they do is take. You know, it's like, you ever, ever been around those people and you're just like, man, I just feel like somebody just put an IV in my arm and just drained like half my blood out. Like, I just, woof. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a real healthy kind of love, not a real healthy kind of, kind of relationship. And then the second, the second level of love um, is, is um, the nice word for it is, is horse trading. 
is horse trading. It's a quid pro quo kind of thing. Uh, um, could be very uh, appropriate in, say, a business relationship, which we, some of you might not call that love, but, but that's more of how it's described. It's like, it's like, I do this for you, you do this for me, right? And, and we just go, and we go back and forth. Um, there are some um, relationships that never get past this stage, that never get past this stage. There, there's always a scorecard being kept by someone. I did the dishes, that means you got to vacuum the house, right? I took out the trash, that means you got to clean up the dog poo. You know, that's not a fair exchange, by the way, but that's, okay, so, so there's this sort of horse trading thing that goes on, this, this sort of tit for tat, back and forth, which, I mean, in some relationships seems to work, but it's not, it's not very giving, it's, it's, not very, it's not very filled with, with, a, with a real care and a real love for the other. I mean, you're doing things because you're doing it to get something. You're doing it to get something. So then the, the fourth or the third level of love, the third level of love is I love because that's who I am. Like in that, in that relationship, in those particular relationships, you, 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 you do things for your partner um, for that other person, just because you love them, you just want you you want their life, you want their life to be amazing, and so you're a hundred and ten percent in. So you're so you give you you, you know you, you're you're doing you're doing stuff, but you're not expecting that that's going to win you some great praise or or whatever because because you you are you are content and happy and filled with with joy and love just by loving the other person. Now, if the person is a taker, it becomes a real sick relationship, doesn't it? Right. So so to have that kind to have this sort of third level of, of love relationship. Is it really, it's really good if both people are in this mode. It makes for a real dynamic, um, real dynamic sort of thing. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I hope, I, I pray that um, the marriage that I've been in for 24 years is that kind of relationship. That's that's what I'm I'm always leaning into that trying to trying to to be in in that place. People will often ask us, "Well, who cooks?" And I'll say, "Well, it depends on depends on um, what's going on in our lives." You know, for a good while, I was the one who cooked everything because Jennifer drove forty five minutes to to work. And yeah, you're what are you doing over here? I look back at Noah. <laughs> All right. Uh, typical. Then for some time, Jennifer did most of the cooking because I was driving 45 minutes to work each day and it wasn't very practical. You know, we didn't necessarily discuss that. It just sort of happened because we were both in on the relationship. We wanted to make it as, as good as it could be. Now, I'm not saying you should model your marriage after ours by any stretch of the imagination. It works for us. And sometimes it was maybe more a little horse trading going on, you know? You have to have those negotiations. You have to have, that, have those honest discussions about, about what's happening and, 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 and how are things going and, and, and all that sort of thing. And, and one of the great ways to do that is, is um, I call it relationship customer service. If you're brave enough, once a week, talk to your partner and say, okay, how was our relationship this week on a scale of 1 to 10? And if it's not a 10, then you've got to ask the really hard question. What would take it to a 10? 
What would need to happen for us, for our relationship this past week to have been a 10? You're going to learn a lot, right? You're going to be very vulnerable in that spot. But imagine paying attention to your relationship as much as a good business pays attention to the customer. The kind of dynamic relationship that you could begin to have. Because you would know in real time what it takes to have that 10 relationship. And you know if they're feeling like it's a 10 relationship, more than likely you are too. Especially if you're in that third level, third level of love. Well, as we know, um, Jesus had a few things to say about love. Not necessarily about romantic love, um, but just about the love of God and, and about our relationship with other people, other people in love. You know that, that when Jesus was asked, what is the, what's the greatest commandment? This was a real test to see if he knew, you know, if he knew the scriptures. And, and you remember what he said? Murmur, murmur, somebody. Go ahead, Allison. Right, right. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus went, even went a little further than when he was giving his teaching right before, right before he um, was betrayed and went to the cross and, and died and then was risen. He said, love one another as... As I have loved you. I mean, that's a real sacrificial kind of love, isn't it? Real, an all-in, all-in kind of love. Love one another as I love you. So Jesus has done a lot of teaching about love, about, about what that means for, for people of God. Um, and so here is, uh, here's Matthew 5. This is, this, is in the, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. If you, if you want to know some of the the center of Jesus' teaching. Just start in Matthew chapter 5 and just keep reading for a while. But here we go. Matthew um, chapter 5, starting with verse 43. You have heard heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. I would add sons and daughters, or children of your Father in heaven. God causes his Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers or sisters, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the Gentiles, or sometimes it's translated pagans, do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, we're not seeing much of this kind of talk in our political discourse these days, are we? These Christians, right, most of them self-professed Christians who seek to lead our country, are not talking much about pray for your enemies. Love those who persecute you. Because it's hard. 
It's much more popular to hate those who we think hate us. We can, we can match up with that, you know? You put your fists up, I'm going to put mine up. Here we go. I mean, before this, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, hang on. Here it is. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Someone wants to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Wow. Going to be broke no clothes pretty soon. Right? I mean, that's the way we feel. That's, that's, the, that's the kind of thing. I mean, but Jesus is challenging popular convention about how we ought to do things. And he's saying God is different than what you already think you know. I mean, primarily he's talking to people who are the good religious people, who try to do the right thing, the ones who cut their lawn, you know, who pay their taxes, who, who you know, who try to love their spouses, love their children, you know, know any of those people? I mean, that's who he's talking to, because, because oftentimes those of us who, who are trying to be good, we think we've got it figured out in some way, and so he's really trying to, to, to take us to, to a different place. That it's not, it is not just enough to love those people who we can get something from. To care for those people who care for us. He's challenging us to be something more, to be something different. Because God is different than what? we could have ever expected than what we could ever understand. In 1 John, he said it this way, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That we believe that when we are truly loving others, that that love comes from God. That the only way we are able to have a relationship, whether it be a true relationship, whether it be eros, philos, unconditional love, that it, that it comes from God. That there is beauty in the physical aspect of love. There is beauty in that brotherly aspect of love. There is, of course, beauty in an unconditional kind of love. The fourth level of love is something that most of us may never attain, but we, know, we, we have ideas of people who have. And that is those people who can love their enemies. Who can love their enemies. As complicated as it may, may get, we might think of a Nelson Mandela. We might think of a Mother Teresa. We might even think, as flawed as he was, of a, a, as a Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, his whole teaching, Martin Luther King's nonviolent teaching really came out of, he was influenced by Gandhi, of course, but came out of this notion of loving your enemies, that we don't retaliate evil with evil. 
We're not pushing protesters around and wringing their arms and marching them out of press conferences. I mean, you rarely hear me speak about the political nature of things, and I'm not talking about politics here. What I'm talking about is common human decency. Especially, especially, now I'm going to challenge us, as people who believe in Jesus, we have, we have a higher standard to uphold. You know why? Because Jesus died so that we could have the privilege of loving other people. <laughs> this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, most of us are in that kind of relationship with God, this sort of horse trading relationship. God, I'll love you, and you just keep me safe. Don't let anything bad happen to me. I'll be good, and you just, you just, make, it, you just make my life happy and wonderful and successful. I mean, prosperity gospel is all based on this, right? If you, if you just pray, and, 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 and you give money to the church, and boy, it's coming back tenfold, and you're going to be able to drive the Lexus and the Mercedes and the Maserati, and, the, and you're going to be able to live in the big mansion and do all that stuff. It's sort of, well, love God, and God's going to love you back. That's not how it works. God loved us. God loved us. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son for us. Sent his son into our broken, messed up lives to heal us. To show us a vision of what we can be when we live in Christ, when we follow Him. That we might model ourselves on the one who is perfect, God. That we might seek to open ourselves to be transformed and changed into people who could pray for our enemies, who could turn the cheek. And today, more than ever, our world, our country needs people who can love like that. Can you imagine the force of that in the midst of our communities and our culture? Can you imagine what can happen when we turn ourselves, not just to loving those who love us, but to loving others? And then especially when we could love our neighbors and we begin by praying for them. We begin by lifting them up in our prayers. It is one of the hardest things you'll ever do, I'll just tell you that right now. If you've ever had someone who was, you thought was out to get you, someone who was sabotaging you, someone who was, who was making your life amazingly difficult and, they, and, and you really felt like they were doing it, you know, advisedly, like they were, they were after you, it is hard to bring that person's name up when you're praying to God. It is hard to love our enemies. And I would say that, in, in a sense, we can't do it. We can't do it without God's Spirit in us. We can't do it without ourselves being opened up to, to understanding just the depth and the breadth of, of Jesus giving himself for everybody. See, Jesus didn't come for the good people. 
That wasn't his, that wasn't his primary objective. He came for those who were supposed to be on the outskirts, who were supposed to be on the outs with God. He came for you and me. <laughs> we just happened to, 2,000 years later, to be the people who've been privileged to, 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 have, to have had people in our lives who brought us into the community of Christ. And so we just think it's, you know, we just think that's just how we live now. You know, you go to church, you do this thing, you whatever. But we've been ushered into a new covenant and a new community. And so God calls us to challenge our assumptions and to look at how we love. Because love is from God. And God gave His love in His Son so utterly and completely that those who couldn't pray for their enemies, those who couldn't stand it, killed him to try to get rid of that kind of sentiment, to try to get rid of this kind of teaching. But what we know, what we know from his resurrection is that love wins in the end. Love always wins even when it looks like it's losing. So today, may you, may you examine your life. May you not feel guilty about the ways maybe that you haven't you know, loved with wild abandon other people or, or maybe where you've had a very difficult time <laughs> praying for your enemies. Don't, don't feel guilty about that. Bring that to God. Be healed of those feelings to be set free to love. To love in those primary relationships, you know, and if, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, to, to just love with abandon there, to not be a horse trader, but to be someone who loves because that's what you do. To in your business relationships, to really try to develop that, what we would call that brotherly love, that, that real give and take that helps the other. And then begin to apply yourself to the most difficult thing, which would be to love your enemies. To pray for those who might persecute us. That we might be transformed. That we might be known as the children of God. Children of love. Amen.